Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning, we're sauntering again and we're in Genesis chapter 26 today. So let's pray and welcome the Lord into our homes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our homes, into our lives, and we just want our whole day to be full of your presence and your power and your love and your revelation and just you. So be with us, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Chris and, Chris and Ruth. Good morning, Fliss. I hope you're not suffering too much with the COVID. Um, so here we go. We're in chapter 26 and we're, we're having the story of Isaac unfolded a bit more. So there was a, now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. So there had been a famine in the time of Abraham. It, although it was a land of promise, it wasn't without its difficulties. And so there had been this famine in the time of Abraham and he'd gone down to Egypt. And now there's a famine in the time of Isaac. So it's a testing time for Isaac. He's got all this livestock and this household to uphold and they need to eat and drink and so on. Good morning, Adrian and Buenos dias, Flor. Good morning, Fran. So challenging time. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Now, there was an Abimelech who Abraham, his father, dealt with, and we'll see how history repeats itself. It may be a different Abimelech. There was Abimelech, oh, oopsie, there was an Abimelech, king of the Philistines, at the time of David, and so it seems that the name Abimelech may be a kind of hereditary title, a name that was passed from king to king, and it means Melech is my father or or the king is my father or something like that. Melech, Moloch. Um, so it could be a, an, a reference to the Philistine god or something. The Philistines, um, <clears throat> it's generally believed, came into the region in... To, uh, 1200 BC and this would be slightly this would be somewhat before that but they were probably around in smaller numbers and the you know certainly the king here is kind of he's not like some king of a massive empire he's a king of a small town a tiny town called Gerar and the, the Lord anyway so Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech king of the Philistines and the Lord appeared to him and said do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. 
For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to your Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. And so God has now appeared again to Isaac and we should not underestimate this phenomenon. This is incredible. Good morning Deepak, good morning Ollie. Hope you're well. Are you still in South Africa? Nice to see you. Um, and so we shouldn't underestimate the significance of this. This is God himself turning up again. And we've, this is a repeated kind of story, isn't it? Throughout the line of promise where God is establishing and reasserting and reiterating his promises and his covenant to the descendants of Abraham through whom is going to come ultimately the Messiah, Jesus. But so God is, God has showed up, the Lord appeared to him. How many people can say the Lord appeared to me? This is awesome. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Remember, um, Abraham did go down to Egypt. It didn't go so well there, although he did come out of it very prosperous. He made some big mistakes. But it doesn't seem that Isaac is immune to making the same mistakes, as we'll see as we read on. But God is saying, just hang in this land now, here, and I'm going to remind you of the promises that I made to Abraham. And I made this covenant with Abraham because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. He didn't say Abraham was perfect, who never put a foot wrong. He's just saying Abraham obeyed me and kept my commandments. And, and we know as we look in the New Testament that Abraham was considered righteous by God because primarily of his faith. It was Abraham was considered righteous because of his faith, it says. So let's take the word primarily out. He is considered righteous because he believed God. And his belief in God and his confidence in God led him to follow through on God's commandments. And he stayed put in the land where God had sent him, um, even though he didn't know where he was going originally. And so God says, I will establish the oath. It's like confirm. I'm going to make it stand up. I'm going to everything I said to Abraham is going to stand up. That word there mean, can mean stand up or confirm or establish. I'm going to make it stand up, these promises that I've given to Abraham. And now I'm giving them to you. I'm going to establish you and make that stand up for you. And so he promises the same three things. He says, I'll multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. So numerous, innumerable offspring, nations. Um, I will give to your offspring these lands. So this land you're on even now, the land of the Philistines, um, is going to be yours, your, the, the land of your offspring. But thirdly, um, he says, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And so we know as well, don't we, that that is offspring plural. 
but of offspring singular and one in particular, that singular offspring who will come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This is going to be the Messiah and every nation, every people group on the earth is blessed through Jesus. Through Jesus, all of the promises that God ever made come flooding into our lives, whether we're a Jew or a Gentile. And this is just awesome. So God is reaffirming, reiterating his promises to Isaac that he's made to Abraham previously. So Isaac settled in Gerar. And when the men of the place asked him about his wife, listen to this. Uh oh, he is going to just do exactly the same thing as Abraham. He said, she is my sister. For he feared to say my wife thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca. Now we know that just like his mother, Sarah, Rebecca was an outstandingly beautiful lady. But nonetheless, you know, he's lying about her. He, she is less his sister than Sarah was Abraham's sister. And it just amazes me that he comes out with exactly the same mistake as his dad had made. And you wonder whether his dad had kind of passed on the story or whether this is just something like the sins of the fathers being carried over onto this, the children. And there is this sense in which history repeats itself until we deal with it, until we address the root of that issue, that family weakness, you know, like a bad temper or whatever it may be or drunkenness, or alcoholism, until we address that and get that straight in our own lives and come before God and let God deal with it and eradicate it. And the, the way through these things is to confront them and to repent and say, I turn the tide in my family now and I'm stopping this flow of kind of iniquity flowing into my family. I'm going to stop that family trait in Jesus' name. I am breaking that. I'm breaking agreement with that thing. But actually Isaac doesn't. He carries on with it and his story is exactly the same. Lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca. Well, he doesn't think about Rebecca's safety and what they might do to her if they think she's up for grabs. And so when he'd been there, verse 8, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebecca, his wife. And some translations say he was caressing her. Well, he was obviously being familiar enough for the king to think, hold on a minute, either that is a seriously dodgy relationship with your sister or that's his wife. So he concludes the second. So Abraham called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife. I, mm, I kind of question the morality that's generally going around here and generally being understood that you might, it might easily happen that he could, someone could just lay with her. Well, anyway, that would be rape unless she was com consenting. And he says, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on, upon us. 
So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So leave him alone. It's like, oh my. This guy, again, is more honourable than Isaac seems to be in this particular situation. Good morning, Wills, and good morning, Mary. <clears throat> and so, anyway, so in the end, he gets protection from the Philistine king, and there in that area of Gerar and its surrounding um, environment, Isaac plants a field, plants corn or something. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now we know that Abraham was a herdsman and he had many, many herds and camels and goats and stuff like that. But we don't know that he ever took to tilling the soil and planting it. But now Isaac has been made to feel at home. He's been given protection and he's actually tilling the land and he's beginning to reap a harvest from it. So a hundredfold harvest. So he does well. <clears throat> in spite of the famine that he's just come from. The Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now, anyone who's a little bit squeamish about the prosperity gospel, prosperity is a blessing. Let's not get silly about it. It is a thing that is nice when it happens. And I'm sure Isaac wasn't feeling guilty about getting a hundredfold harvest. I'm sure he was just enjoying it and saying, wow, come on, let's celebrate this amazing blessing from God. And he's able to prosper and increase and spread out. Um, and the false aspect of the prosperity gospel we haven't got time to go into right now, but it's along the lines of if you give this, you'll get that. And it doesn't work quite like that with God. He's not a slot machine or a kind of um, whatever. Oh, I don't know. Candy machine. Anyway, so he had, so this is Isaac, verse 14. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, their father. Hard to understand why a nomadic herdsman type of community would actually block up wells unless they're just being really annoying and want to make it difficult for anybody else to settle there. And Abimelech said, so um, Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. You are much mightier than we. So the idea that somehow this is the same Philistine nation that produced Goliath and the and terrorize the Israelites in the time of Saul and David is this is whatever it is is a very small kind of settlement of Philistines they're not a massive powerful people yet but they've got some territory and they've made a little city and they've got a king but now the king is saying you are much more powerful than we are and this is just one guy with his household he has become a sheik in the region and he's powerful and significant and Abimelech is feeling somewhat intimidated by him. So the wells have been stopped up, there's not really enough resource. So Isaac departed from there, verse 17, and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. 
and he gave them the names that his father had given them. And you can go back over and remember what those names are because they're significant. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a, a well of spring water, so that's even better than digging a hole that has water at the bottom. This has actually got a spring bubbling up inside it, which is fantastic. This is an incredible resource. So Isaac's people found it. The herdsmen of Gerar quarrelled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, which means contention, um, uh, because they contended with him. And then they dug another well and they quarrelled over that also. So they named its name Sitna, which means uh, something else. Uh, Sitna means enmity, so hostility and strife and stuff. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, which means roominess, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we should be fruitful in the land. So it's really interesting, isn't it, that, a that Isaac is going around digging up and reopening the wells that had been a blessing to his father. And there's something... Um, instructional in that for us and that is that there have been wells of salvation and wells of revival and wells of blessing in our land and we need to say God come on let's dig up these wells let's get these wells opened up and get this spring of living water flowing up again into our community um, reopening houses of prayer and all of those kinds of things and a really really cool getting worship going again in a community, establishing discipleship and training people to walk with God in a community kind of is like opening up the old wells. But that thing of pursuing God and digging deep to find the spring of living water that nourishes us and nourishes our community, nourishes our people is really important. And there's some there's a role for us as a servant of God to dig deep and find that source of life and find the Lord that we can be a source then for other people around us. Um, so uh, verse 23, from there he went on to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him in the night, in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Um, and so this, mo this moment of encounter with Isaac and the Lord at Beersheba, God... Um, turns up again and reminds him again of his promises. He says, I'm with you. He's reaffirming his call on Isaac and his descendants. And also just saying, I'm faithful. I'm Yahweh. I'm the God of covenant. I'm the God of relationship, the God of family. And I'm true to your father and I'm true to you. And they, there it says, so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. And that is, uh, it's like he's kind of marked that place and said, this is going to be a place where we come back to 
and we worship God here. This is going to be a marker point in our lives where we acknowledge God and, and where we thank him for his covenant with us and we bring burnt offerings to him and so on. And so they dug a well there. And when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander, I think we've heard of Phicol already, so that may again be a hereditary name or maybe the same guy serving a different king or it may be the same king, same commander um, that met with Abraham, although he'd be quite old by now. Isaac said to them, why have you come to me seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, we plainly see that the Lord has been with you. So remember, Abimelech had sent them away and said, you're too mighty for us. Go away. And now they've come back to him because they can see the hand of God and the blessing of God on him and everything he does. And they think we should be at least allies with this guy because he's powerful and God is with him. We need to have him on our side, really, rather than drive him away and possibly make an enemy out of him. So, so Isaac says, why have you come to me seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. Isn't that awesome? So they interpreted the prosperity and the blessing and the favour and the wells and the springs of water and the well-watered animals and the fruitful crops and so on as an evidence that God was with them. And so we said, let there be a sworn pact between us. Now they're going to make a covenant between you and us and let us make a covenant with you that you will not do us harm just as we've not touched you and have, and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. <clears throat> so they kind of hushed him on out a little bit sharply, but they're saying, actually, in reality, we've done nothing wrong to you. We've sent you on in peace. And actually, to be really, really honest, they're absolutely right. They had welcomed him into the region and allowed him to plant crops and so on. So they hadn't been particularly hostile. But some of the some of the on the fringes of it all, there had been tension and um, silliness over the wells and so on. Territorial, a territorial kind of spirit. And they so they're saying now we want to be friends with you. We want to make a covenant so that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. You are the blessed of the Lord. So it's a very good idea to make peace with God, those that God is blessing and to have them in your life and to have a good relationship with them. Um, I just realised I didn't set my thing to record. Silly me. Um, and so... They made a feast and they ate and drank. And in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. He called it Shibla, uh, Shiba. Therefore, that the name of that city is Beersheba to this day. And it sounds like the name Sheba sounds like oath and Beersheba means well of the oath. 
So they made this feast, they entered into a covenant and they exchanged their oaths and and then Isaac sent them away in peace. So they've now come back into a happy relationship. But notice they've sealed it with a covenant and covenant is the language that these people understood. And when God says, I've made a covenant with you, Isaac, and with your father, Abraham, he understood that language. He understood what that meant, that God had bound himself to human beings in an oath that could not be broken. And so they call that place Beersheba the, and the well of oath. And that is what it's called to this day. And when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the wife of Beeri the Hittite, to his wife and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Or there was some bitterness of spirit between them. And so this is an interesting little kind of footnote, just bringing us up to speed about Esau. He's 40 years old, Isaac's brother, and he marries Judith, who's a Hittite woman, and Basimath, who is also a Hittite woman. And he does have no intention of trying to marry within the kind of family group that um, Rebecca is from. He's not gone back to um, the place where they came from, where Abraham came from to find kins people to marry. He's just married some Hittites. And so he's become part of the culture and part of the wider community out there. But he's he is still um, Esau and he still the, becomes the father of the Edomites, but there was some hostility and bitterness between Isaac and Rebekah, um, for Isaac and Rebekah coming from him, which is sad, isn't it? Even the, uh, and we see this kind of build-up of tension developing there between the child of the promise and so on and so on. Um, so, Beg your pardon, Esau. So yeah, Esau was bringing hostility to his mum and dad. There wasn't it wasn't a happy thing, was it? So Isaac and Rebecca, don't forget, were Esau. I'm getting myself muddled up. Isaac and Rebecca were Esau's mum and dad, as they were Jacob's. But now Esau has gone off and married these women. He's not had any sort of covenantal interest, and he's brought sadness into the lives of his mum and dad, who can see that this is actually a bad move. Difficult times, but here we see the line of promise coming through and the blessing coming onto Isaac. And we'll see shortly how that kind of transitions onto Jacob in the next chapter. I hope this is helpful. Have an amazing day, you guys. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, give you his peace and make people look at your life and say, you have become the blessed of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful 
rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.